It seems like people can't quit talking about quiet quitting. In this episode, we suggest why the phrase should phase out in favor of more robust conversations around performance management. We will also address a listener's question about standing out in the remote workplace. Join the conversation by following us on Twitter at GuildmasterC, checking out our blog at www.guildmasterconsulting.com blog, or subscribing to and commenting on our YouTube channel. Simply search Guildmaster Consulting in quotes and you will find us. Welcome to Somehow We Manage, the podcast for software engineers and their managers. I'm Dr. Ashley Graham. And I'm John Graham. And we are Guildmaster Consulting. So this month, we wanted to talk about something that's been in the headlines. I'm sure you've heard of it, and you may be exhausted of thinking about it. But the phrase, quiet quitting, sound familiar? Yeah. So we want to talk about that because we had some listeners uh, inquiring about our thoughts on that topic and also a kind of related topic of performance management in the remote workspace. I mean, how do you not just fly under the radar in the quiet quitting scenario, but how do you get noticed when uh, you don't get to you know show off in the traditional ways that you might in office? So John, I, I wanted to get your thoughts first because I, I saw you reading this related article and you were getting super frustrated with it. And I was like, okay, save it for the podcast because I'll hear your rant then. What What's kind of on your mind as you think of the phrase quiet quitting? First, when I was beginning to understand what quiet quitting was, it looked to me a lot like what you would say in the 70s. Uh, if you worked in a union, you would call it working to rule. Okay. And working... Now, I've not heard that phrase before. You'd think I would, but working to rule? Working to rule was basically striking in an industry where it either wasn't possible or it was illegal to strike. Mm-hmm. Working to rule basically meant you fulfill exactly what's in your work contract, hmm. nothing more, and follow every single step of the safety measures and everything else that might be in your standard operating procedures. It not only uh, slowed output, but it also made it very apparent uh, how important expertise and labor is. Hmm. You can't just replicate this with a pile of books and a contract. People, There's a lot of know-how that labor has, hmm. and they can pull that out at any time. That kind of goes back to our education podcast earlier of like learning organizations, the difference between knowing something and knowing how to do something also reminds me of like the theological distinction between going by the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Like I am following my contract exactly how it's written, but I'm not doing this because you didn't explicitly state it. <laughs> you know? And it's interesting. I mean, this is a form of direct action from labor, mm. historically. Mm -hmm. This is a form of, okay, we're not happy with our contract, we're going to work the rule, and, and to give the union bosses leverage to get a new contract. Mm -hmm. This, this, Now, today, we're calling it quiet quitting, probably because up until this year, nobody's in the union anymore. Right. Um, you're, you're seeing a lot of unions pop up, and mm -hmm. I think that's... Uh, part and parcel with the huge shift we've seen from uh, the power of capital to the power of labor mm -hmm. uh, that's been happening across the industry. Mm -hmm. Now, we are management consultants. That doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> we take a certain side in that. But in advising managers, it's really important, I think, that we look at this with both eyes open and understand, okay, there's not as much leverage anymore. Let's still try to accomplish the goals we had while recognizing that 
labor has more power. Ah, right. But you sounded pretty frustrated, like audibly frustrated when you were reading something earlier. You know, I, I just hear you scoffing in the corners. <laughs> I'd love to know it, what's your point of frustration, because I, I don't imagine it's with the unions and oh, sure. and that impulse of work to rule. Uh, my frustration was in finding out that some people are using it as work to rule, but most people appear to be using it as just what we would call work-life balance. <laughs> Like quiet quitting is just yeah. preserving your humanity. <laughs> quiet quitting means turning your laptop off at five. Oh. Quiet quitting means doing what's expected of you and no more. And that's like, that's normal. And you can kind or it of. It was at some point. It was at some point in time. <laughs> You can kind of see the pendulum in that slingshot that I mentioned earlier of capital and labor. You can see why it's heading back so quickly that what used to be considered normal is now abnormal and we're expected to be on all the time, responding all the time, uh, and so on. And it's frustrating that we're having to come up with a name for this movement of like normal 40 hour work week, which, you know, Henry Ford discovered hmm. it's. And this, the unions have yeah. advocated for right? And so it's frustrating that simply putting up boundaries is an act of defiance. Hmm. And it just goes to show you just how, how much uh, movement uh, is still left in uh, the reestablishment of the relationship between capital and labor. And we need to, as management consultants, we need to keep being prepared for labor to keep pushing because they do have the upper hand. We can talk about, oh, we're in a recession. You could almost see certain folks salivating in mm. Inc. Magazine or, or Fortune Magazine about like, finally, a recession to reestablish the natural packing <laughs> order. And yet this recession is at 3.5% unemployment. Mm -hmm. And of course, we mostly work in tech where unemployment is historically, except for the dot-com bubble, been below that, even right. during recession. Finding talent has always been incredibly hard in tech and we can't just adopt these very haughty brash tactics and we've known that for a while we've known for a while that you can't have dress coats in tech that you probably don't want to enforce our working hours too much because people just leave and go find somewhere else oh, you were saying that you know part of our role is helping managers prepare for this change in labor versus capital. Uh, do you want to say a little bit more about that preparation? It's the same stuff we've said in, in other podcasts. The remote revolution's here to stay. Mm -hmm. You don't want to pay attention to what Goldman Sachs is doing. People are passing around these articles saying, oh, they're forcing a return to the office. And first of all, they're ignoring the fine print where they had to increase salaries by 20% to prevent mm -hmm. turnover from mm -hmm. going crazy. Mm -hmm. Your competition is not Goldman Sachs. Your competition is a company that's just being founded right now. Yeah. The new entrants are where tech labor has traditionally always wanted to go because that's where the exciting projects are. How many new entrants are starting with offices? Very few. Yeah, right. Doesn't behoove them. It's a huge competitive advantage to just start up. You don't Low need overhead. an office anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's that's where you want to pay attention to where the culture is going. And remote is here to stay, especially in tech. And the more we look clear-eyed at that, uh, the less you'll get frustrated that, oh, these... To be honest, I would want a manager that is frustrated that, uh, this you know, labor's so entitled to, you know, kind of get an attitude adjustment themselves. We're here to make money. We're here to make profit. It doesn't matter who's entitled to what. And frankly, management's been entitled pretty lately mm -hmm. that we can all just force people into bullpens. And now we're watching whether or not they wiggle their mouths. This is dumb. This is not profitable. This is not focused on creating value for mm -hmm. 
the shareholders, for management, for the employee, for the consumer. This isn't focused on that. It's focused on basically reinforcing a power structure that was perceived to be there before. Hmm. And meanwhile, a bunch of startups are not really interested in enforcing power structures yet, so yeah. they're not going to do it. Right. Um, and if uh, a lot of your talent wants to go there, that's what they're going to do. So you've talked a little bit about quiet quitting and how it's being used and how it's being misused to kind of hide <laughs> the fact that we should have boundaries and work-life balance. Like it's shifting the conversation from request or an expectation of a worker to have that balance into, oh, well, you're just you're just barely making it. You know, you're just <laughs> you're trying to signal your exit. I'm interested in people who on the flip side want to be noticed, right? How do they get noticed in these rooms? remote workspaces, uh, because so many people are traditionally used to like, oh, if I'm working there late and I'm coming in early, then that shows that I'm committed to the company. And like, we don't want to incentivize that kind of commitment, right? So like, I don't know. I, I think I'd love to talk a little bit more about how to get noticed. Before I do, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more from us on this topic and many others, we start alluding to things that we have in other podcasts, hit that subscribe button and also join us in the conversation on Twitter and in our blog as well. We'd love to have your comments there on YouTube. If that's your thing, you can simply search Guildmaster Consulting in quotes and you'll find us. Okay, back to your thoughts here. So your question is how to get ahead in a remote. Yeah, how to get ahead in work in a remote workplace um, without like going into the trap of, oh, I can't have work-life balance, right? Yeah. Navigating that line. I think I want to I want to take a step back and look at this relationship because we're actually talking about the same thing. How to get ahead and then this quiet quitting and how do you performance manage in a remote workplace? Let's take a step back in history. How do you performance manage in a non-remote workplace? Everybody's coming into the office. Mm-hmm. Well, ideally, you're setting goals measurable goals that ultimately are tied to financial goals in a sustainable way. And you are checking on those goals and you're seeing if you achieve them. And if you don't achieve them, you're trying to figure out why. And if it's a performance issue, you're giving feedback. If it's a repeated performance issue, perhaps you're looking at dismissal. You're looking at training the whole time because Mm -hmm. human capital is part of your strategy. Does that all make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything left out. That makes sense to me. Like, your, your traditional KPIs or OKRs or whatever you want to call them, management by objective, and then also the training to support. Anything else I'm thinking, like, that seems like the bulk of performance management and managing expectations. In the- so here's the big question. Why is everybody suddenly frustrated at performance management when we went remote. I didn't see a a single thing about being local. And the fact is, and I'm going to shake you up a little bit. Okay. Most places, management has just been Bush League this whole time. Oh, no. They are not doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were instead relying on seat checks and reputation. And that's Ooh. not how you find performance. Right. And what's happening it's is... liable to... I mean, you're going to set yourself up for failure if you do have to terminate someone or promote someone, if that's your, like, gauge, right, for, yeah. for performance management. Okay. So the, you're in the majors now where basically talent is far more scarce. The world is different. It's a more competitive environment. And what's happening is people are realizing that they never really did have it down. They were just lucky and it was easy. And now it's not so easy. So Who's they, the labor or the managers? Managers. Okay. And so every part of their form, their batting form or whatever, is weak. And they just got by because they were a big fish in a small pond before. 
And now that things are a little more equal, they've got to do what they were supposed to do in the first place. So how do you performance manage in a remote workplace? The same as you performance manage in a local workplace. It's just you never did that. And now you're realizing why it's important. Okay. Easy to say. If I'm hearing that as a software engineer, I'm like, well, there's not truly a disconnect between being present and getting my KPIs, you know, hitting my goals and metrics. Like sometimes these goals are predicated often on effort, right? Instead of value. Um, And so that's kind of hard to even shift that. Even if you say, okay, I'm going to try and do performance management and we've always done KPIs or OKRs, but like reevaluating those OKRs to not just be about effort and presence, that seems to be a hard thing. I know we talked a little bit about that last time, but how would you instruct managers or even direct reports who are trying to get this across to their managers, this return to the basic? This is why this is actually, it's the same question and answer is how do I get noticed? How do I get ahead here? Because we have to, I want to get back to that relationship between capital and labor. A lot of people are on Wall Street bets nowadays. A lot of people understand a little bit of crypto that probably you should not be trading options. (laughs) Please do not trade options. However, many people know more about options than they used to. Management and capital is buying a call from labor. What does that mean? That means management and capital get to keep all the upside, the profit, Mm -hmm. for a fixed cost to labor, the salary. Hmm. And what has been happening is they do that. They seem to believe that the only way to actually extract any profit is to just exploit labor. When management's supposed to be bringing to the table a couple of things, they need to be thinking about opportunities. They need to be thinking about vision setting. Like you need to see something. You need to be opportunistic. You need to see something not being uh, provided in the market. You need to be able to envision something that will provide that thing. And you need to be thinking in terms of how do I get from where I am to where I want to be? How do I pursue that vision? All these things are strategy. Mm-hmm. That is what capital brings to the table. In addition to the tooling and the money, management, well, if you found <laughs> me on any other podcast, I will tell you very explicitly management and capital are two very different classes of people. Right now, they're on the same side of the negotiating table, so I want to kind of love Okay, them. okay. <laughs> management brings strategy together. The whole upside of that capital-labor relationship is supposed to be provided by management, not labor. Hmm. They're the ones supposed to be spotting the opportunities and thinking of good tactical ways to get there. Labor's just a vendor. Labor's just providing a thing that management's supposed to be putting together in some clear strategy. Instead of doing their job, management often thinks its job is to exploit labor and to just get more stuff. But the problem is because you don't have a strategy, you don't know what to do with the stuff once you have right. it. Right. Management is about setting priorities. priorities. Yeah, that's what Strategy is priorities. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you need, you just want somebody to work longer Mm -hmm. How are you solving your problem? How are you generating that value? How are you generating that value that the capitalist is supposed to take his profit? You're not doing your job. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the mythical man month in some ways, like throwing more effort at something, throwing more people at a problem when you haven't even decided what the most valuable (laughs) dimension of the problem space is. Yeah. We'll get more lines of code. Yay. Good job. Is that what we needed? <laughs> yeah. We needed value to the to the client, value right. to the consumer. Uh-huh. And if we're just making everybody work as long as possible. And this isn't necessarily just some manager with horns and a whip trying to get everybody to stay as long as possible. It's also treating labor as capital 
as a form of exploitation. When you have options that pay out if you hit a certain you know profit number and you expect your developers who don't have those options to be working just as hard as you <laughs> by saying, oh, we, we need passion. We need, you know. I hate that. You should, you should <laughs> want this. No, Sorry. that's not part of their deal. That's yeah. not part of the financial. That's not in the contract. <laughs> that's not in the contract. <laughs> They're getting zero upside most of the time. And before yeah. people weigh in, it's like actually, you know, my developers have options. Are they voting options? Are they mm -hmm. voting stock? No, no one gives that out. Mm -hmm. So you're actually just finding a way to hide salary on the balance sheet when you uh, do that. Yeah. You're not. You're giving them some financial upside, but this isn't. This isn't like an equal relationship. Let's stop treating it like one. If 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 labor wanted to be capital, they could go start their own business. Hmm. I mean, that's interesting because when I hear this dichotomy, I, I can read you generously and hear you generously. But it's like uh, most of my career is like as a direct report. Right. So I'm thinking like, well, I want to help set the vision or I I have ideas. I'm not just a workhorse. right? <laughs> like, but what you're saying is, no, no, no. You can have vision and input and ideas and be a thought leader as an individual contributor. However, when it comes to like the prioritization, like surely that needs to be centralized in some way or like someone at the end of the day has to make a call. Ideally, those decisions are protecting you from having to enforce work-life balance <laughs> boundaries. You know, ideally those priorities are aligned such that you're not spending hours on something that doesn't matter to the company. Because if you think back to a time in your career where you worked long hours, I don't know if you have, John, <laughs> you're super good at boundaries. But when I think back, it was often because it was unclear to me in my role what was the most important and most valuable work. And so it was just toil, right? But they got more and more and more and more, and they didn't have to make that decision. Yeah, they didn't have to make a call. They didn't... What? But, because okay. they relied on your passion. Yeah. But, like, okay, so that's worst-case scenario. They relied on my, my passion or other people's passion. Best-case scenario, it's just hard. It's hard to make those decisions, I guess. Maybe because the, you know, the C-level, the executive suite, isn't making those decisions. And so it, you know, it doesn't trickle through the organization and middle management and so forth. It's got to be hard. It's, it's sure it is hard, but so is, you know, coding. Yeah. So I, yes. is event planning. Yeah. So is all this labor. Everything that requires decisions. And you just, I mean, you just made a fool out of me from the beginning of the podcast. I said I wouldn't go here, but we have now entered the triangle table negotiating. Mm -hmm. Management is a form of labor. On, on many sides, we confuse the manager for the capitalist. The capitalist provided the funds. The manager provides the strategy in the organization. Mm -hmm. And then all other kinds of labor provide specialized skills. When you remember management is a form of labor, your job is to develop strategies and priorities for the capitalist. They don't know what they're doing. That's why they hired you. <laughs> The correct way to financially reason is through diversified portfolios. I'm just putting money in pockets that are exposed to certain risks. And then from there, those pockets get assigned to managers who know about that industry and that company and everything else to do something with it. And when we don't make decisions and instead just rely on passion and employees to constantly cover our asses of like, I didn't decide what you should do. I'm glad you did it all. And then decide <laughs> afterward, going and separating the wheat from the chaff, like that's 
just lazy management. We're here to help you get better. Right. Right. We're here to help you become a good and effective manager. But we have tons of people in the audience who either were in an individual specialist role or as a manager who, you know, it's a management chain, which is like, why is this so hard? And it's like, I get it. I get that it's hard. We're here to help. But people have to want help. Mm-hmm. And before they can want help, they have to know that they're not There's good at what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, for sure. sure. Okay, so I, I know you weren't going to go into this triangle, but I, I'm curious about it because it makes me think of what happens with bad management or like when the capital thinks it's also the management and also the labor. Like I'm thinking of times in early startups or honestly even bigger companies where the C-level or founder is like, oh, I know, I know what to do with engineering. Let's, I'm going to make a call, and we don't need this programming language anymore. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it just makes me realize how when that collapses, you're doomed a little bit. Like, because then labor just becomes a workhorse for the whims of someone trying to wear all the hats. Um, and you're, everyone's, everyone's doing. Labor. And how do you even do performance management and something like that? It's like you advance if you do something the way that I would do it, but I'm not going to tell you that that's what I want. <laughs> like, well, that's maybe what it looks like, but really you advance to the extent that you've made me look good. And I don't know what's going to make me look good because I'm not savvy setting, enough setting to know priorities what's and strategy. Well, and I'm not thinking about that. And that it's a big, scary problem to me. Mm. Um, it, it is difficult because it's, you know, startups are like the black hole of, entrep- of of capitalism, like everyone's everything. And to an extent, you might have a tech-savvy founder still making good calls sure. uh, when the group's yeah, small. good intuitions. You just need to know when you've grown beyond that. And I want to kind of hammer this point. You not knowing what you want and just relying on hoping that you have passion and employees that generate too much is worse for you too. Mm-hmm. And it's worse for the shareholders. It's worse for everyone. Labor's getting exploited. Management's not doing their job. And capital's getting a, you know, subpar return. Mm-hmm. Because that's just not a good way. You're generating waste. You're generating a ton of waste. So I don't want anybody to hear this and think, oh, these namby pamby pro-labor people. We're not pro-labor. We're not anti-labor. We're just <laughs> trying to solve the management conundrum. Management mm-hmm. is a huge negotiation between multiple parties, the people with the money, the people with the know-how, and the people with the need. And the managers in the middle basically trying to broker some sort of peace between them. By just trying to take advantage of one and setting them against the other, you have shrunk the pie. Uh, anybody who you know knows something about negotiation is you try to get that pie as big as possible before you start slicing it up. Mm-hmm. And by just automatically assuming that one side's going to get the short end of the stick, you've shrunk that pie. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to what you should do as a good manager. You should yeah. be thinking about setting goals. You should okay. be having a vision. You, you, you know, a strategy is tactics that work better together, all trying to strive for a shared goal. That goal is often what we call a vision. Those tactics are often like just kind of decisions that you've made, decisions with trade-offs. That's management. Um, so you're trying to generate value out of putting together clever decisions and having good goals uh, where you've spotted good opportunities. You're not necessarily just trying to drive people to work as hard as possible because you don't know... They're just working, they're just generating lines of code rather than solutions for a client. Now, once you have all that, it's really easy to hold people accountable to those goals. And you don't need to be watching their seat all day and seeing how many pull requests they make. That's not value, that's pollution. 
That's the external visible parts of doing work that we have that we have confused with generating value for the client or the mm -hmm. consumer. Instead, just get better at measuring that value for the client and consumer. When we give hiring advice, believe it or not, uh, the reason we can give good resume advice and good interview advice and uh, everything else is because we're telling em future employees the same thing as we're telling management when mm -hmm. they ask, how mm -hmm. do I interview? We're saying it is in both of your interests to find these key things. You want cultural fit and you need some sort of skill level. And here's how to best find those things. And then we're telling employees looking for jobs, find a company where you're going to fit culturally and prove your skills. It's in everyone's interest to figure that problem out. It's very similar here that it is in management's interest to think of a strategy and from that set goal. And it's also in employees' interest who want to get ahead, who want to make a difference, who want to, you know, get noticed and get promoted. Find those concrete goals from your manager and achieve those things. And if you can't nail down your manager, then you know you've at least discovered early. Yes. That you're in a place where you're probably not going to get ahead. That you're either in a place where reputation management matters, and maybe that's not aligned with your, you know, your cultural values. Mm -hmm. It's not really our target market. So if you're yeah, listening yeah. to this, <laughs> it probably doesn't appeal to you. Or you may not be in a place where the company culture sets concrete goals, but maybe you have a good manager that mm -hmm. does that. By negotiating with your manager and coming up with what are the goals, what do I need to do to get promoted or notice, what do I need to do, and I'll do it. By having those conversations... You are also kind of exercising a part of influence, um, Robert Caldini's book, hmm. Consistency and Commitment. Tell me more about that. You're basically asking, hey, let's 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 put something down on paper. And then when you achieve those things, you should be able to there's expect. There's an expectation. There's yeah. an expectation. And there's this drive from the person who wrote them down. was like, oh, yeah, I did promise you that. Yeah. So that's commitment and consistency. Now, you're either going to get somebody who reneges on their commitment. Again, you've discovered something very valuable. You're probably not going to get ahead there. Or... That's how you get ahead. Goals work for both sides of this yeah. of this table. Setting goals gets you what you want rather than just trying to get as much output as possible. Get somebody in their seat as long as possible and hope that you can make something with the rubble. And then fulfilling goals is a great way to get noticed. I don't know that you want a promotion, though. I'm going to try and talk people out of a promotion. We talked earlier about capital has, that, has bought a call from labor. Mm -hmm. So labor's whole point here is they don't get an upside, but they get a stable salary. They get to take home cash right now. Play that game is what I would suggest. Look for goals, clear-cut goals in the job descriptions of places that might yes. hire you. Yes. Now, to the extent that you get promoted at a place, that's great. But don't build your career hoping for handouts from people who are themselves too busy thinking about their <laughs> How own How do they career. get ahead? Yeah. <laughs> Instead... Look for concrete, measurable goals that you can achieve and blow people away at. And if you can't get ahead, then get in on your resume. And always be looking for um, what, are you, what are you selling as labor? You're selling a skill set for a price. Always be looking to get a higher price from somebody else and where you are demonstrating your skills more and more. So don't rely on promotions, rely on the marketplace is what I would say. There's good reason that you can expect raises and... The, this last year with inflation, raises were all over the place. Yeah. But a lot of people expect, oh, 5% is a good raise. Yet if you up and quit and go work somewhere else, you get 10 to 20%, mm -hmm. possibly a title change. Yeah. So pursue training. Yeah. Keep your ear to the ground on new opportunities in the marketplace. Sell your labor 
like labor. It's, it's or like a product. Like, like some product. of what you're talking yeah. about, like the way you're talking about goals is the way that I think product managers talk about requirements or user stories or, or the way an engineer talks about exit conditions or like definition of done, right? It's yes, like, exactly. I need to know that when I've met these functional requirements, you know, of the job functions in yeah. this case, that I have pleased the end user. I've pleased the client. Yeah, I my put manager the, my part or, of, the, yeah. of the contract. Right, exactly. So a, a kind of a generous reading of contracts. <laughs> I know Agile doesn't love contracts, but you know what I mean. Like a contract as an interaction, a relationship that you're building that's negotiating who's getting what value mm-hmm. and how do I know? Mm-hmm. How can I point to it? And like you said, if you if you can't get the promotion, if you're still following this advice of back to the basics of goals, like making concrete goals with your manager or with your direct report, you're developing for your resume. Yeah. You're keeping those concrete bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what's hard too, is I know places that don't do title changes that are like, oh, I'll just pay you more. You don't need a title change. It's because they can keep you there because yep. you don't have something different to put on your resume. Yep. You priced out for your title. Yep. So it's like always be thinking about as a direct report, and as a manager, what you're going to have to show for yourself. Yeah. And it's not about showing up at the office. It's showing up in meeting those goals. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up here? For those of you who listen to us, you know that we have to do things in the span of our, our baby sleeping. Actually, she's one today, not a baby anymore, but I hear her talking. Uh, so anything else before we wrap up? No, I just want people to know that we're on a mission to try and get better managers out there. If you are unhappy with your manager or if you're a manager unhappy with your manager or if you're a manager looking to get better. If you're just help, unhappy. No. Yeah. <laughs> help us out. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. We'd love to hear in the comments, how are you dealing with remote and performance manager, either as an individual contributor trying to get ahead or as a manager trying to see who's doing what. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, feel free to email us at hi at guildmasterconsulting.com. We'd love to hear from you on those same questions. Uh, How are people dealing with this? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks.